When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast on the Odyssey app and the Odyssey Sportscast Network with uh, Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings, twice a week here during training camp of the 49ers. We got some interesting stuff to get into, Mark. Of course, the quarterbacks are on the top of everybody's mind. Got an interesting question, I think, about Brock Purdy, as well as um, some comments from quarterbacks coach Brian Greasy about Trey Lance specifically. But then also we're going to get into some uh, some concerns that we have potentially from the first week. Yeah, a little bit more than a week from 49ers training camp. But before we dive head first, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, we're recording this here Wednesday evening. Most of you are probably listening on Thursday, I would imagine. So that means I can say there is NFL football today. There's a football game on Thursday. It's the Hall of Fame game, Evan. Get pumped from Canton, Ohio. The New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns getting ready to do battle. I don't know about you, but I'm fired up to tune in to some uh, Hall of Fame game football, Evan. Will you be betting on the game, Mark? <laughs> Bet the under. That's my only suggestion. I okay. don't have any. I was best wondering place. if that's why you're so hyped about it. <laughs> I don't have anything placed, but you know, maybe something will speak to me. Kickoff five o'clock Pacific time tomorrow. You know, maybe I'll, I'll check in just before kickoff and see if something is calling its name out to me. I, honestly, I think the only thing that people should be excited about when it comes to the Hall of Fame game are the people actually going into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and I myself have only one person that I would like to thank on behalf of all quarterbacks across the NFL, and that is Don Coriel. Because without him, nobody's making $50 million a year. <laughs> nobody's coming close to even making $20 million a year. So you have Air Coriel to thank for revolutionizing the passing game. Uh, also, shout out, I guess, to Rondé Barber, Darrell Brevis, Demarcus Ware, and Zach Thomas. Yeah, they all deserve shout outs. All great players. But yes, it, it just signals the preseason is here. I know this is obviously before any of the other preseason games. There's still a little bit of a of a gap until like the 49ers play a preseason game, for example, and every other team across the league. But it is just always that yearly signal. Once again, football <laughs> season is upon us. Yes, it is. And in San, uh, San Francisco, or I was going to say Santa Clara, San Fa Clara, uh, <laughs> basically all anyone cares about is the quarterbacks, Mark. And that is because Brock Purdy has taken all of the first team reps. Sam Darnold and Trey Lance have largely split the second. And then Brandon Allen has pretty much cleaned up the, uh, the, the last few snaps. But the, kind of the question that we wanted to kick around today and start with, which is, like, should Brock Purdy be essentially handed the starting quarterback job? And Kyle Shanahan is not officially named a starter, although all signs point to Brock Purdy being the starting quarterback week one because of the aforementioned number about the 
uh, first team reps. All of them have gone yeah. to Brock Purdy. And of course, the comment about Brock Purdy being leader in the clubhouse that was from John Lynch, I believe, in late March, early April. Kyle Shanahan essentially affirmed that. So, Mark, do you think that Brock Purdy should be handed the starting quarterback job? I don't think so. And I want to make sure I explain my thought process here completely because I'm not saying that I think there's a there's a there's a safer option out there. I'm not saying that I don't think that Brock Purdy doesn't deserve it the most, because if you look at just simply what everyone has put on paper, put on tape uh, pretty clearly, Brock Purdy has been the most impressive. So I'm not saying that I don't think he should be this team's starter. But are we so certain that he is who we think he is? And I know he had a, a fantastic stretch last year. But in the big scheme of things, what? I mean, eight games, it, it's not a gigantic sample size. Are we 100% certain that this is the guy? Are we convinced that he is everything that he did last year? Are we even convinced that what he did last year was so otherworldly. Um, I mean, he played with an incredibly elite defense, special teams unit also good as well. I'm, I'm not trying to discount what he did, um, but it. I just, the question that's been nagging at me is, yes, I. if I had to pick just one guy who, who I think should be the team starter week one, of course it would be Brock Purdy. I'm not arguing otherwise. I'm just not convinced, Evan, that he is necessarily deserving of being handed this job. If if we're so convinced, if we're so confident in Brock Purdy's abilities, you could open it up to a legitimate competition and you would expect Brock Purdy to win it. I don't think that's so wild. Maybe it's a vote of confidence. Maybe it's something to do with the locker room as well. I am just... Uh, I'm not quite all the way there in terms of how certain or how confident or how convinced I am that he is undoubtedly the guy that should lead this team. In principle, I'm with you. No one should be handed anything. And the framing of the question is a bit leading. So I'll give you that. In principle, no. Brock Purdy should not be handed the starting quarterback job. In reality, Mark, he should be. And the reason is because of what comes with the starting quarterback job as it relates to preseason. And that is what he's been given so far, which is all of the first team reps. Those reps should go to the person who is best suited to be the best quarterback week one for the San Francisco 49ers. I think we're in agreement that the leader in the clubhouse, both from the staff, the front office, as well as what we have seen is Brock Purdy. So yes, I do think he should be handed what comes with the starting quarterback job, which is preparation. Because if you look at the rest of training camps right now going on, the quarterback battles between certain individuals on the Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask. Well, <laughs> there's a reason for that. Indianapolis Colts, Anthony Richardson, top pick versus Gardner Minshew. Understandable why you might be duking it out there. And the Washington Commanders, Sam Howell, first round pick last year versus Jacoby Brissett, journeyman. All three of those situations do not apply to the 49ers because I do not believe either or any of those three teams are playoff bound. The 49ers have legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. They need someone from day one to lead them to the end of the season, which is going to hopefully culminate in a Super Bowl. I think that starts in training camp. 
and especially with the way Brock Purdy has unfortunately not gotten a lot of reps this offseason due to his injury, even if there's some rust concerns, which we can get into, to me, the starting quarterback job should start now. And that's why I believe Brock Purdy should be handed the keys. That's fair. Yeah, generally, if you have a quarterback competition, a legit competition for your starting quarterback spot, uh, usually you're not a very good team. Usually your expectations yeah. are very low. So you're right in that regard. I would say that this is also a very, very unique quarterback situation that the 49ers are in. There is no other comparison, not only in today's NFL, but really across NFL history. There's no comparison to this sort of drama and, and these sorts of, I don't know, different factors contributing to this conversation. So not not to say that that's a reason why you would make a competition, but, but just this is incredibly unique. And I think you have to take each situation for their own. But when thinking about this conversation, because you have Brock Purdy last year kind of randomly asserting himself after injuries, and he plays much better than anyone could possibly expect. And I just think back to how I felt when Jimmy Garoppolo came onto the scene. End of the 2017 season, the Niners were a terrible team, obviously very early in the Kyle Shanahan tenure. No expectations from that team. There were expectations for Jimmy Garoppolo, but he was he was a guy that they just acquired from New England. Not that everyone was expecting him to be a future Hall of Famer or that sort of thing, but this was your new quarterback and a guy that your young star head coach handpicked. Jimmy Garoppolo, you expect him to be good. Uh, and because of injuries, he gets in at the end of the season. And what, what does he do? He goes five for five. He wins five straight games on a team that was otherwise one of the worst teams across all of football up to that point that season. And I remember how I felt. I, I felt like the Niners struck gold. I felt like he was a future Pro Bowl. And if things broke right, a future Super Bowl winning quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. He Obviously, close. he was close. But my point is how I felt in that moment, Evan, is nowhere near how I felt after a couple more years with him at the helm. And maybe injuries are a factor. I mean, he came out of the starting quarterback the following season, and I think week three tore his ACL. Uh, and then the following year is when they went to the Super Bowl. But Garoppolo never really rekindled my uh, my emotions like he did those first five games that, that he started at the end of that 2017 season. So, so my only thought is, and I didn't really feel that same way about about Purdy, and I know it's entirely different situations, but I feel like in my mind, because of all the talent around those guys, and I know the expectations are entirely different, Purdy didn't quite capture my imagination last year as Jimmy Garoppolo did in 2017, because I feel like I, the, the rest of the team around Brock Purdy had more to do with that success a season ago, as opposed to what Jimmy Garoppolo did in 2017. I'm not saying I think Purdy is the the next Jimmy Garoppolo or the 49ers in three year, years will be looking at another guy they're trying to move off of but just simply can't. I just can't quite get these two situations out of my head because they are similar up to this point. You have a guy out of nowhere who steps in and absolutely does much better than you possibly expect, and now the assumption is he is your guy moving forward. 
But in the last instance that this happened, he ultimately was a guy who you wanted to get rid of because he wasn't as good as you thought he was. Well, and to add to your point, they also share a similarity in that after their first season, they dealt with injury. Now, mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo did so with a torn ACL very soon into the next season, but that probably changes the arc of his time in San Francisco. Brock Purdy, it's a different injury, but it's still one that's costly and could potentially change the way you play. So I, I'm with you from that sense. It's, you know, you're, you're not exactly sure. To me, the question mark is not so much because of year to year, but because of the injuries that both of those guys sustained. And I don't have that same type of infatuation with Jimmy Garoppolo, but I can see how one would. And especially the way he started the next season, you're like, oh, this guy's going to get back to being what he is. Yeah. And he simply didn't. So, or, you know, he came up a little bit short in 2019. Um, I like, I, I hear those concerns. I understand them. But to me, it's, it's also a different situation just because of the state of the roster, the state of the NFC and the state of the 49ers and Brock Purdy may not be the perfect option. I still have my concerns about what he can do as a quarterback and the limitations that might get in his way this season. Injury aside, but if he is the best option for you and he appears to be so far, unless he falls off a cliff towards the end of training camp and into preseason, to me, there's nothing that's going to I, I essentially deter me from believing that he should be the, the starting quarterback. Yeah, no, and I, I still, if I was, you know, gun to my head, had to choose, I would choose Brock Purdy and it would be a pretty quick decision for me. It's just a, a, the the thought that this is, it in the 49ers' minds, it appears to already be a foregone conclusion, just must mean something uh, terrible for the other options at quarterbacks. I mean, you just consider, you put these two guys next to each other on a football field, you don't actually have them play at all, aside from just throwing the ball around. I mean, who who checks every physical box? You could even throw Sam Darnold in there. I mean, Sam Darnold and Trey Lance, bigger, stronger uh, than, than Brock Purdy. Who can throw the ball further and faster? It's Sam Darnold and Trey Lance over Brock Purdy. Um, obviously, so much of football is more than – so much of quarterbacking specifically is more than just your physical attributes. Of course, those help, um, but the – the, the decision that seems to have already been made, and again, I can't fault them, uh, it just speaks to, on one side, how much they must believe in Brock Purdy's his innate abilities as a quarterback, his ability to make the right read and, and be on time and all of those things and handle uh, you know the pressure coming from the weak side and, and check out of a certain protection to make sure you pick up that blitzing linebacker or you see the safety coming off the edge and you can adjust all of that. He just must be so much further ahead in those things than Trey Lance's. One, to make up for some of his physical shortcomings, including some injuries now. I mean, he also had a what, a fractured rib, his first start against Tampa Bay. And then he went in that Thursday night game uh, the next week against Seattle and fought through it and played. But this is a guy who has an injury history now at this level as well, in addition to, of course, the the elbow. He just must be so much better at those non-physical things, those physical attributes that the 49ers feel so confident in him over the other options, considering uh, 
you know, he is not the the physical specimen that you necessarily would want out of your starting quarterback. So I, I trust him. Ultimately, I trust the 49ers to, to make what they feel like is the right informed decision. It just doesn't seem so cut and dry to me. No, but that's unfortunately the way this that this goes. Like, this isn't high school. Like, this isn't college. And as much as the idea of an open quarterback competition is cool for fans and for onlookers and for media members, that that's not the way professional sports work. Like, as much as a coach might come out and say, this guy's got to work for everything, this guy's got to do it all, he knows in his mind who he wants to be the dude. And until that person proves otherwise, in this case, Brock Purdy, is the guy. And I think that Trey Lance and Sam Darnold are in equally good positions to fight for the backup spot. I know we spent most of the last episode talking about Brandon Allen, which to me wouldn't just be an indictment of Trey Lance and Sam Darnold, but also the injury concerns potentially of Brock Purdy. So all four of those guys to me are in the mix. The leader in the clubhouse is Brock Purdy. The other two are fighting for the second spot and Brandon Allen be damned. So, you know, that that's the way that I kind of look at this thing, but um, I'm sure we'll we'll get new information very soon, and that will dictate the way that we go with with future episodes. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. That is Mark Randy. I'm Evan Giddings. We're coming at you twice a week here in training camp, three, three times a week once the preseason starts. August 13th, I believe, their first game, first of three preseason games, and that'll be in Las Vegas against the Raiders. Uh, please download the Odyssey app. Subscribe to us while you're there. Also, check out the 95.7 The Game YouTube channel. Like and subscribe while you're there as well. Okay, Mark, so the second part of this is about Trey Lance and quarterbacks coach Brian Greasy. Uh, finally, on the record, has been asked about Trey Lance, and you know nothing necessarily crazy to report, but was just talking about Lance and his health. And this has been a common theme of quotes from John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, pretty much anybody that has to do with a quarterback in San Francisco has discussed the fact that Trey Lance is finally healthy. And Brian Greasy specifically mentioned healthy enough to get back to throwing the ball like he did in college. I don't know if you take anything away from that, but it just points to me again. It's a reminder that Trey Lance has not played much football since graduating from high school. And Brian Greasy is finally glad that at least he gets to see him repetitively in training camp. Yeah. And I mean, that's ultimately what this guy needs. The comments from Brian Greasy are interesting to me though, because it seems like you're starting to see people uh, both inside and outside of the 49ers organization be a little more complimentary of Trey Lance. And I know they've never really bashed him, at least specifically within the 49ers organization, but for Greasy to come out and say that he looks a lot better, quote, a lot better in his third training camp. Uh, one, Greasy wasn't here for his first training camp, but was obviously here last year and, of course, is here currently. Um, it It means that, I think I take him at his word that he is improving, that he's getting better. He's finally been able to put together an offseason in which, for the most part, he was healthy. I know there was a little bit of concern right after the NFC Championship game that his progress from that broken ankle was a little delayed. You know, remember when he was getting the boot off and there was a little bit of a hubbub about that, that it, it wasn't out yet and he wasn't cleared for full offseason activity. Um, but for the most part, he's had a relatively healthy and normal offseason. And despite the fact that he's not getting a lot of first-team reps, he is getting the opportunity to throw a lot. And he had that opportunity all offseason. We spent a lot of time talking about his individual work 
with Jeff Christensen, who happens to also be Patrick Mahomes' personal quarterback coach, and they've been at workouts together with Jeff Christensen. So that's all good news, and I do take the 49ers, Brian Greasy included, at their word that Trey Lance looks a lot better. It seems like the last few practices as well, as we record this on Wednesday, they did not practice today. Um, but Sunday was a really good day for Trey Lance. Monday was pretty good as well. It seems like he is being more consistent, which was the issue. You know, what you would hear is he would make a mistake. He'd throw a pass in the dirt. He'd throw an interception. He'd miss a read. He'd throw late. He'd throw behind a receiver, whatever the issue was. And he'd kind of hang his head and it would kind of affect him. But it, it seems like he's getting past those sorts of things and he's able to stack not only just uh, reps on top of each other, but days and practices now. And I don't know how, how you feel. I also heard Adam Schefter on the Pat McAfee show on Wednesday, today as we record this, say that the 49ers feel like he's as prepared as he's ever been, more prepared than he's ever been to be a quarterback in this league. Um, and it, it, it just seems like more positive reviews for Trey Lance are trickling out now. Uh, not not that there weren't those in the past, but it just seems like it's happening a little more often now than it has in the past, which I probably take them at their word. Trey Lance is improving, uh, which is obviously good news for the 49ers, but it, it's still not really a competition, which I can understand. But good news that, that he's getting better. I mean, I would hope so. Uh, better, these are all yeah. comments that that you expect to hear from a guy in his third years, a former number three overall pick that he's putting it together and it's coming through. According to Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area, uh, Trey Lance in his 11 on 11 reps has taken 80 snaps. That's four more than Sam Darnold, by the way, for those counting. And unofficial passing is 26 of 40, so 65%. That's slightly better than what Brock Purdy has done in his 88 all first team reps. So, Look, you know, he he appears to be stepping up. The consistency is TBD, I think, at this point. It's hard to tell from six days about anything, but I think the Trey Lance is on the, the right track. And if he is, Mark, then in my mind, he should be the backup quarterback. And that's also a great place to be, as we've come to know in San Francisco, because you might be thrown into the game yeah. before you know it. And then Trey Lance, who has had to work for the opportunities in this training camp, now his third We'll have to perhaps at some point this season fight for opportunities in game to earn them, to keep them. And to me, this is going to play itself out on the field. So look, I, I, I I'm very happy that Brian Greasy is seeing improvement from Trey Lance. I think we all are even from the clips from being down in, in person and talking to people that have seen him in camp. It appears to be like he is, you know, a, a brand new version of himself. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess the question is, Mark, so do you believe Adam Schefter that he is saying these things to be nice? Or is he saying these things because the San Francisco 49ers would like him to say these things so that his trade value is a bit higher in case they indeed do want to move him? Well, you took the words right out of my mouth because Adam Schefter, again, on the Pat McAfee show on Wednesday, basically said, and, and he openly admitted to it, which I think is what makes this conversation, these comments specifically so interesting, you know, I'm not out at Niners camp. I'm not out at really any camps. I can't be there. There's so many of them, and I, I just can't be there. So 
I'm interested in, in how Trey Lance is doing. And this is me doing my Adam Schefter, not really actually trying to do anything. I'm just speaking for Adam Schefter. Uh, he, you know, said, so I, I called up a couple of guys at the 49ers and just started asking questions. How is Trey Lance doing? And what they said to him, again, according to Adam Schefter, he said, you know, he's had a fantastic offseason, his best offseason so far, and he looks more prepared than he's ever been. Um, and that, to answer your question, I think it could also, it could be true, and I think it probably is, but at the same time, it's also the information that the 49ers want out there. If they're set on keeping him, doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. And, you know, the rest of the league could think the world of him. If the Niners are going to keep him, it doesn't matter. If they are okay with keeping him, but they're open to the idea of trading him, they want the rest of the world to think the best possible, the, the best they possibly can about Trey Lance. Um, so the fact that these comments come from Adam Schefter, who hasn't seen practices, who hasn't been there in person and isn't judging every throw and every overthrow and every underthrow and every fumbled snap and every misread, the fact that he is not seeing that himself and he's instead just telling us what people within the 49ers organization are telling him is interesting to me because you get away from the, oh my God, Trey Lance looked better than Brock Purdy today. You're just getting to what the base of what the 49ers actually feel, or at least what they want the rest of the world to think. So I, I think there's some truth to the fact that the 49ers want to pump up Trey Lance's value, not because they're set on trading him, Evan, but because having a high expectation a high profile of Trey Lance elsewhere could not possibly be a bad thing for this organization whether they move on from him or they keep him on their roster yeah I think it's a win-win but I'm generally inclined to take whether it's Adam Schefter's or the 49ers in this case quarterbacks coach Brian Greasy's word for it and take that as a good sign that Trey Lance is progressing and that Trey Lance is right where he's supposed to be, which is improving as a quarterback. Because the one thing that he cannot do in a very pivotal third season for him is take a step back. Now, I know that there's been comments about how he needs to play and uh, they want to get a, get more of a look at him. But that, to me, is going to come in the preseason. And I know that we can discuss on our next episode coming up uh, next Tuesday just how much we expect to see all the quarterbacks as we enter kind of the the beginning of the preseason area but to me I mean Trey Lance is is on the right track and I don't think that that means the Niners are trying to pump his value up because they want to trade him I think it's because he's legitimately getting better as a quarterback and that's something that we all want to see and that we all want to hear so in my mind this is good news this is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. That is Mark Granny. My name is Evan Giddings. We're coming at you twice a week. Once the preseason begins, August 13th in Las Vegas, we'll wrap things up to about three episodes per week. Download the Odyssey app to catch all the content. Rate, subscribe to us while you're there. Also, check out the 95.7 The Game YouTube channel. Okay, Mark, the last part of this episode did want to focus on Maybe not the all the glitz and glam, but some of the things that maybe haven't gone right so far for the 49ers or some signs that you are seeing that would make you a bit concerned. Are there any concerns popping up for you through the first six days of 49ers training camp? Oh, absolutely. There's always got to be something. No team is perfect. And for me, uh, I the think it's... <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go right back to the quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, no, it's related to the quarterbacks, I guess, in, in one sense. Uh, the offensive line. I'm concerned not necessarily about the starting group, Evan. 
I've talked a lot this offseason about how the 49ers not going out and really acquiring anyone of starting capability is an extreme vote of confidence for Colton McKivitz because they believe that at the very least, uh, you know, bang for their buck, that he's their best option at starting right tackle. So I'm perfectly fine just trusting them on that for now. Maybe I get proven wrong. They get proven wrong once the season comes around. But I'm fine trusting them in that regard right now. But where I have some concerns and where I think issues might arise, Evan, is with their depth on the offensive line. Colton McKivitz last year was kind of, you know, the swing tackle. If there was ever an injury to Trent Williams on one side, Mike McGlinchey on the other, who was the guy they called on? It was Colton McKivitz. And he obviously did a good enough job at that role last year and in past seasons that they felt comfortable handing him the starting right tackle job this offseason. Okay, so now he's a starter. Who is your who's your new swing tackle? Injuries are going to happen. This offensive line is not going to start every single game this season. Trent Williams probably will not start every game this season. Colton McKivitz probably will not start every game this season. So who's your new Colton McKivitz, essentially, is the question. And it seems like the leader in the clubhouse is Jalen Moore. Uh, and bad news for 49er fans, on Tuesday, Jalen Moore went down with a knee injury. We don't know the severity. We don't know if he's going to be out a while. We don't know if he'll be back in practice as we're recording this you know, on Wednesday evening, if he'll be back tomorrow on Thursday, we don't really know. But that's not my point. I'm, I'm not saying I'm scared that Jalen Moore is going to miss the first five weeks of the season. I'm just saying behind, behind Jalen Moore, who we still don't really know much about, Evan, the 49ers have very little offensive line depth. And if they get some injuries here and there, I know you can probably make this case for most positions, but I would argue they're at their weakest in terms of depth on the offensive line, you don't have the safety blanket of Colton McKivitz to fall back on anymore because he's in your starting lineup. You didn't go out and draft anyone. You got Feliciano, who's more of an uh, inside offensive lineman. Maybe in a pinch he could play some tackle for you. I wouldn't feel too confident in that. But they really don't have a ton of tackle depth, Evan. And if there are injury issues... Jalen Moore is your swing tackle. He can't go. Where do you go from there? I think my biggest concern for this team, Evan, entering the 2023 season, it's offensive line depth. I think that the offensive line as a unit could be, at worst, a middle-of-the-pack unit. I really do, when healthy. But if there are injuries, I don't know what the answer is for this team because that's an area they just refused to address this offseason, they spent big money on the defensive line, shied away on the offensive line. I'm a little worried if things don't go well health-wise that the offensive line might prove to be a, a really big problem for this team this year. Yeah, I'm 100% with you because not only if Colt McKivitz goes down, but God forbid Trent Williams misses a game or two, Yeah, uh, you're, you're in trouble. And John Feliciano, as much depth as he provides – has been reportedly getting beat like a drum at training camp. And so he has not looked incredible like a guy you would want to fill in for an extended period of time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like the offensive line right now is not a place that they chose to upgrade in free agency, nor the draft. They didn't take yep. an offensive lineman. So right now you are depleted in many different ways and reliant on the guys in-house. And I, I'm 100% with you. That is a place where the 49ers, I think, are going to be kicking them themselves next or this upcoming season 
if and when some guys go down, because one thing that they were generally lucky with last year, as we've come to learn in the NFL with injuries, you can never predict them, but the offensive line was largely untouched last season. Spencer Burford, Aaron Banks, um, you know, even Colt McKivitz, but Trent Williams, you know, Mike McGlinchey last year missed, you know, a little bit, but like they were not hit with big injury bugs at the offensive line position. So, I think that that's something that could flip this season. And if it does, they're far less prepared than they were last year. Yeah. I mean, who else do you have on the offensive line? And I know I'm focusing a little bit more on tackles than elsewhere, but beyond obviously your starters in Williams and McKivitz, I mentioned Jalen Moore beyond that Leroy Watson. And these are going to be guys that most people haven't heard of Matt Pryor on the inside. You have Nick Zakelge also, Jason Poe, I don't know if you remember, he was like a training camp darling undrafted last year. Haven't heard a ton about him. Um, Now the very real possibility is there's a reason the Niners didn't address their offensive line depth because maybe they feel like they have some diamonds in the rough who just haven't yet had the opportunity to shine. Time will tell. Ultimately, I hope we don't learn a lot about those guys this year because that means, like you said, you have a relatively healthy year on the offensive line. Um, But if I had to pick, uh, I think, one spot, one position group, one area where an injury could uh, hurt this team the most, obviously, aside from quarterback, which is the most important position on the field, and an injury there makes a bigger impact than really anywhere else. Uh, But I think the one area where the 49ers are the most susceptible, where it would be difficult for them to cover an injury, it's the offensive line. And I don't really think there's a close second for me. Um, so my fingers are crossed that we, we don't get to this point where we have to learn about Nick Zakelge. We have to learn about Jason Poe and company, um, because if that point does come, uh, more likely than not, uh, it's probably not going to be a successful experiment. Well, speaking of depth, the 49ers did sign a depth piece on the defensive line. And that oh. is a first round, former first round pick taco Charlton. Great name. On a Taco Tuesday, by the way. Uh, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But it's not a concern, Mark. But I I do look at what that will mean for not when, I should say, not if Nick Bosa reports to camp and eventually signs his deal, but when. Because I'm also looking around the rest of the NFL, Mark. And Brian Burns, another defensive end, quality one, 25 years old, two Pro Bowls under his belt, has reported to Carolina. Very good. Expecting to get his deal. He hasn't got it yet, but he is also not held out. That's someone that Nick Bosa is going to be looking at to see what money he gets this offseason, I'm sure. But the two guys that also are in the kind of same group that are due for a big extension that have not reported yet to their camps are defensive tackles Christian uh, Wilkins of Miami and the bigger one, Chris Jones, defensive tackle for Kansas City. I believe Chris Jones is going to be the highest paid of the three. And so if you're Nick Bosa, you got that name circled and you're basically waiting for him to stop holding out to get his deal in order to end your own holdout and get your deal. So I don't think necessarily the signing of Taco Charlton is a sign of like, oh, hey, Nick Bosa is not going to be here and we're expecting not to have him. But this holdout, I believe, is going to last longer than a lot of people anticipated. And it's going to determine, it's going to be based on, I should say, the rest of the market, because if you're Nick Bosa, why are you signing anything before someone that's lesser than you is getting their own deal? Interesting. So I think Nick Bosa is getting 
at least up to this point, the the most money per year that a defensive player has ever gotten. It's going to be more than Aaron Donald in my mind, probably low 30s. So do you think any of those guys and Kansas City's Jones is probably the, the biggest one? Do you think he is getting Aaron Donald type money? Because in my mind, the money that any of these guys get is not going to be in the Aaron Donald, Nick Bosa stratosphere. So it probably doesn't matter that much to Nick Bosa because he knows he's going to get more than them anyway. Probably not, but Chris Jones is also 29 years old, so he's a bit older. That might prevent him from getting a mega deal, but let's say the Kansas City Chiefs cash him out. He's coming off a all-pro season, four straight Pro Bowls, just won the Super Bowl, second of which, and he was third in defensive player of the year behind, of course, Nick Bosa. And I believe Micah Parsons was the runner-up. Yeah, But if Chris Jones get, gets anywhere near Aaron Donald, well, then Nick Bosa isn't just saying, well, I want more than Aaron Donald. Well, okay, if Aaron Donald's making 30-31, Chris Jones gets high 20s, then the market hasn't been reset because you haven't gone over the top. But if you're anywhere close to that, I wouldn't consider Chris Jones in the stratosphere of Aaron Donald when he signed his big-ass deal. And Nick Bosa's like, I'm 25, man. I got to get paid in the mid-30s. So that's where I think this kind of negotiation financially could take some time. Yeah, maybe. You could be right. Uh, you mentioned Micah Parsons as well. Uh, he's going to get a payday coming up relatively soon as well. And Nick Bosa's uh, tenure, we, we all assume uh, Nick Bosa is going to be the highest paid defensive player ever. It's probably not going to be too long lasting because whenever Micah Parsons signs, he might sign for more, at least average annual value than Nick Bosa. So it's always interesting how these contracts develop and evolve over years. Like, and I know I'm going to the other side of the football, but Patrick Mahomes quarterback contract now, what he signed like a 12 year deal a couple of years ago, it already appears to be such a team friendly contract, a bargain now for Patrick Mahomes because he signed such a long contract and you have, uh, the most recent one is Justin Herbert. You're going to get Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and, and all of these others coming up as well. Um, so it's always interesting how things evolve in a couple of years. And we'll probably look back on this Nick Bosa contract, Evan, assuming, uh, knock on what I don't even want to say it, assuming that he is is healthy throughout the, the, the length of his contract. You might look back on it in a couple of years. When Micah Parsons has a gigantic new deal that probably surpasses him and think, well, we were we were a little worried in the moment about how much money we're going to be paying him and and how it might affect our abilities to keep other players. And then you look back on it and say, well, it's actually more team friendly than we might have thought. Yeah, I, I do think there was a thought process of Mahomes to take more of the Brady route than say, well, I guess Rodgers just did take a pay cut, but gigantic pay cut. Uh, Deshaun Watson, like he wasn't trying to maximize the amount of money that he got. And to your point, he is the seventh highest paid quarterback in the league per annum, 45 million a year, which is still a lot, uh, yeah. but he's going to be eighth once Joe Burrow signs his contract extension, I assume. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe Nick Bosa wants to do the 49ers a favor. I highly doubt it. <laughs> sign a <laughs> sign an eight year deal and just take less per year, Nick. Come on. We got you. Yeah, eight for two forty, or <laughs> yeah, that, that, I think that works out to about yeah two hundred forty. Regardless, we'll wait to get his cash, and then we'll uh, we'll spread the the cheer about Nick Bosa. That'll wrap things up for this episode of the Four One Fivers Podcast. We're coming at you next Tuesday. 
please download the Odyssey app, rate, subscribe to us while you were there to get all of our content on the 45, on the 49ers, but the 415ers. And uh, that'll do it for Mark Granny and Evan Giddings. And we'll talk to you next time.